think so. Okay, we're at the very bottom of the Gemara Moy Cotton. Zion Ahmed Bays. We had a machlokes between where do we learn this law that a Kohen, until he says the person is Tomei, he's not Tomei. So we had two different people with different sources. So we had Rebbe Yehuda and Rebbe. So now they're going around to know why does Rebbe Yehuda not learn the source from body tsaras from that as house tsaras as Rebbe does. Rebbe learns it from the house tsaras. Remember he goes to the house and he says clean it out before. So Rebbe learns it from house tsaras. Rebbe Yehuda learns it from a pasuk that's dealing with body tsaras. So the question is, so why doesn't he hold of Rabbi Yehuda's source? So he says, Mehasam, from there, Lo Gamrinu, we can't learn from there. Why? Dechidushu. House Saras is a novelty. What does that mean it's a novelty? For a house to become Tomei. Since when does a house become Tomei? Not in any, not in any way does a house become Tomei. If a corpse is in a house, the house, the walls don't become Tomei. The Tumas inside the air, but the, the walls of a house don't ever become Tomei. So it's a most unusual type of case. And because it's such an, uh, an unusual case, and why is it such an unusual case? Because wooden stones are generally not susceptible to Tuma. Why? Wood is only acceptable if it's like a utensil. Only receptacles become tummy. Would the house be a No, no, the, but the house, the house, the walls, only receptacles are tummy. A wall doesn't become tummy. So that's the Kiddish, that a wall becomes tummy. And here, metamu. Here, the most unusual, it's the only time in the entire Torah that the actual building becomes Tomei. Okay? Even though the, uh, the wall, beams, beams do not become Tomei. Stones do not become Tomei. Okay? Because they take them away, like sometimes, and put them away, destroy the houses. I understand, but that. for them, I, yeah, but that's a chidush. That's a, that's a novelty. Normally, if you have a beam and a corpse falls on it, the beam's not coming because the beam is not a utensil. If a stone, a corpse falls on a stone, the stone is not tummy, it's not a utensil. Beams and stones and things like that do not become tummy. And now you tell me the house, which, what, what does it mean the house is tummy? It means the beams and the walls are tummy. So now, an, an unusual case cannot be a source to learn from other cases. So, okay, since it's such a wacky type of uh, scenario that doesn't happen anywhere else, so okay, so we could have some other wacky laws that if the, the coin doesn't say it's tummy, it's not tummy. But we're not going to learn from other cases that are more normal, such as a person being tummy. People being tummy is not a novelty. That we know people become tummy. You touch a corpse, you become tummy. So if you're a Mitzari, you become Tame. So that's more, um, what are you going to say, um, the normal case. So you're not going to learn the normal case from the abnormal case. So therefore, he's, he's going to learn from a case of the extra word that says that the coin on that day, 
says he's tummy, but not on, if he doesn't say. That's regarding the person himself. He's going to learn from a, a, the learning teaching from the person himself, not from the house. Now reverse the Rebbe who learns from the house, Omar. So what's going to be now? Why does he not learn uh, the body, the house saras from the body saras? Itzrich, I need to do the house one also. Because of Rachman, if already only had the body tzaras of the pasuk ubiyom haros bo, it says on, on the day that the healthy flesh is observed in it. So now have amina ayman and thought. Remember, what's the halacha there? We don't look at what did we learn from that? That he looks, but some days he doesn't look. Which is what? Let's say sheva brachas. Ah, have amina. I would have thought lidvar mitzvah in. Yes, for a mitzvah. The Kohen holds back and doesn't say. But I don't know, Lidvarish low. But how about for discretionary marriages? Not. In other words, the source only says, on that day, the Kohen says that he's tummy, implying there are other days that he doesn't become tummy. And what are those other days? Wedding, Sheva Brachas, things like that. Yom Tov. Oh, for, for mitzvahs. Maybe only for mitzvahs does the Kohen withhold. But to say about a house, they don't delay a house. That's not a mitzvah. Maybe we wouldn't know there. Therefore, Kosov Rav Monotrasa, right? Vitziva Hakoheim. And if that's to say that the coin commands about the house to teach about the house. Now, the E Kosov now, and if E Kosov Rav Monotrasa, Hakoheim. And if the Torah writes, Vitziva Hakoheim, the one by the the house, have a mina haniin. I would think maybe only that. Delav tuma de gufayu. That it's, all, it's not. The tumma of a person's body. But if you see a tumus of the body, maybe that you'd have to say Sricha. Therefore we need both. So really both verses are necessary. One thought only one. So they they're both gonna need both one thought, one is enough, one says you need both. Okay, fine. So that ends that machlokas. And the difference is would we include Rishus that he can withhold or not Rishus to withhold? Fine. Now we go back to some statements. Are we saying that it was a house, house tumor, um, the corn would not come during the whole month because it would ruin the whole guy's yantar. If he had to clear out his house and leave the house, he has to leave anyway, but I mean, get rid of all his furniture, it's a yeah, but not always Yontif. It also is not Yontif. No, no. But there, what, what about on a regular uh, 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 June day? Well, maybe not. Maybe it's only Rishus. That's the point. For the house, it's any day of the year. The house drush is 365 days, whether it's a Yontif, whether it's not a Yontif. So I might have thought, I might have thought, if it's just a regular day, you don't do it. The Pasuk is telling us 365 days, the coin goes to the house, and if he doesn't like what he sees, he doesn't say anything till, mitzvah, not mitzvah. That's an insight. So how do I know even not a mitzvah? Maybe by Rishus, yeah. You're right. Maybe if it's on a, it's a Hassan's house, we wouldn't do it. But how would I know 365 days of the year that you withhold saying what it is? That's why I need that. But uh, but on the other hand, if I only have that, then I know if it's on his body. Maybe the body is worse. Therefore, I need that puzzle too. Each one has a, a deficiency that we can't learn. 
body from house or house from body. Therefore, we need two sources. That's what he's saying. Now, we go back to, again, some ideas that we mentioned, and the Gemara is, wants to get more into detail. <coughs> Omar Mar, the master, we're going to one that said, uh, the fact is it says, the text says, and this is what we learned, Yesh Yom, it says on the day that the coin sees, there's a day Sha'ataroa that you see, Bo, you'll determine, and you say what it is, Yesh Yom Sha'ataroa, the other day, is you don't observe, and meaning to say, you don't say what you see. That's what we had at Drasha. So now we just want to know, how do you know from the wording of the Pasuk to say such a Drasha? The wording has to be extra or something for me to make a deduction. So what is the X, and that's more is going to ask, my mashma. How does the Pasuk imply this idea? Maybe it's to be understood literally. It's that whenever healthy flesh appears in Saras, it's Tommy. Maybe it's just saying the locha. When Remember, the guy was completely tzaras, was tar. Then a little healthy flesh, flesh becomes Tommy. So on the day that he has some healthy flesh becomes Tommy, maybe he's just telling you that's the law. On the day that healthy flesh, why are we saying no, that day, but there's some days you don't determine. What's so, maybe the whole Pusik is teaching us the symbol on that, the implication. So Abai says, well, look at the way the Pusik is worded. Omar Abai, if you only wanted to say the law, that when the healthy flesh comes, he's tummy, and we don't want to deduce anything, then the Torah should have said, Im Rachman, the Torah should have said simply, Biyom, on the day that he sees healthy flesh. My, why does it say, Ooh, Bayom, which means, uh, sometimes means, but, sometimes Vav means and, sometimes it means but, especially when it's not necessary. If I say I have uh, a beged, the kalim that means and kalim but sometimes it's just coming to start a sentence what if say and so it usually means but above can mean but so what's but what's this but just say biyom on the day what's ooh biyom yeah. but on the day ah that extra above shmamina teaches you yesh yom shatarah but there are certain days that you see and there's certain days you don't see. That extra letter of the Vav teaches us that thing to interpret a little bit more than that. And that's why uh, Rebbe learns from that Pasuk, there's certain days you don't look. I, we said that others say no. Oh, so that's one way of learning it. Rava says, I can even tell you more. Forget about the Vav. Amr, he says, Kula the whole Pasuk is superfluous. The whole thing. The entire word, not the whole passage, the entire word, bayom. Why say bayom? Why say on the day? Just as if it, if it gets better. Why say, say on the day? Just say if the flesh gets better. better yeah. So you have, you have but on the day. Say, forget about the extra but. What do we have to tell the word bayom? On the day. What do you mean on the day? Just say if the flesh gets better. On the day that the flesh, what, what else? It gets better at another time? So therefore, the im kain lifta. So if that were so, that was only intended in the literal sense. Lifta rachma baharos. Just say when the healthy flesh is observed. Why do you have to say bayom on the day that the healthy flesh is observed? Mayu bayom. What's that extra bayom? Now that's telling me. <coughs> that's telling me. Yesh yom shatarayzavah. There are days that you look. The yesh yom shatarayzavah. And there are days that you don't look. Okay, so that's what he says, that by Yom. 
He says the whole word by Yom is extra. Wait a minute. Okay, if that's the case, if the whole word by Yom is extra, but wait, Abaye learned it from the Vav. Abaye learned it from the Vav. So what's he going to do with the Bayom? He says the Vav is extra. That's how I learned it. So but what are you going to do with that whole Bayom? So Abaye says, that I'll teach you something else. But Abaye says, Ahu, that Bayom is clearly how we need to do this. When can a coin inspect the house? Any day. Any day, but day and night? Oh. When it has to be in the day. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe I'll use uh, a candle. So it's saying by yom in the day, but not at night. Either because at night you can't see, or even with a candle, it's not by daylight. It's not natural light. So remember, there's all kinds of, uh, what do you call it, uh, use of a color. Remember, a certain Never. color Never. makes something tummy. Yeah. So you want to have sunlight Food. is the best light in the world. Once it's at night and I got a candle and there's shadows and this and that, it's not so. It's so that's what that's how I learned it day and out of the night. That's what I use it for. But Rava said no. I learned from Bayom. So how Rava's going to say the whole word Bayom is extra? So where will he learn the law that you can't check at night? Yeah. Bayom in the day and not at night. where is he going to learn it from? Nafgalei, he'll learn it from a different pasuk that says, from the words lechol mare einei hakohen, wherever the eyes of the kohen see. Now, what does that mean? The eyes of the kohen see. Well, that's in daylight when the eyes can see. I, if that's the case, that's how he learns from that. So now Abaye, what's he going to do with that pasuk? What's he going to do with? Mare and if he's saying from Bayoma teaches you that it's in the day. What is it with that pasuk? A coin that only has was blind in one eye can't check. Because the pasuk he could be a uh, well but no no he, he's a coin he is. If a coin has a mum that he can't serve, he's still a coin. He still gets truma. Well, he, he, he still he teaches inspect. Torah. Oh, why? Why can't he inspect? Remember, service. There's a difference here. When we look at a coin, how do you look at a coin? What if I would ask you, and we had a coin, and we lived in the base of Mingus, I'd say, "Well, what is what? What does the coin do for you? What is what's his job description?" So, what are you going to say? You're going to say, "Well." Two weeks out of the year, he serves for the Jewish people in the temple. Yeah. Okay. And that's all the coin is worth? For those two weeks, he gets all your tax dollars and this and no, that? He, what else does a coin do? He examines things for that. Ah, he examines things. Now, wouldn't you say that's a different kind of a job than serving in the temple? Sure. We say it's a different job description. It's a different, different job. Yeah, one job description is, let's say, let's say working the temple is like being a chazan in shul. Okay. But, you know, so now when he's checking your uh, blemishes, so what kind of job description is that? Examiner, I don't know. He's an examiner. Yeah. Okay. What else does he do? Come on. Teaches Torah. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's a teacher. Yeah. So now, when we're looking at that, and he also eats truma and all these other things. Yeah. So now the question is, so when we say the coin has a blemish, what aspect of his job 
cannot be done, but what aspects does it not matter if he has a blemish? Well, either it matters or it doesn't. No, it, could, it depends on what the job need is. So when you're in the temple and you're representing the entire Jewish people and you're bringing atonement, so he's my representative, to, and he's mamish, interfacing with the almighty mamish mamish, so there, a blemish is, is a deficiency. But if it's a question of teaching Torah, is that a deficiency? Or checking out a blemish, is that a deficiency? I would think checking out a blemish is not a deficiency. Comes to Torah and says this extra word, it has to be before the eyes of the Kohen, that that too is a deficiency. Yeah. I understand maybe in the temple it's a deficiency because you want your best chazan up there, Right? But when it's time to just check a deficiency, when you have a doctor, if your doctor has a, a what do you call it, a, a deficiency, does that mean he's not a good doctor? Let's say the doctor's missing an arm. Does that mean he can't uh, check you out and, and analyze you and, under, and prescribe and all these things? He can do it. I mean, you wouldn't want to make him your king because it doesn't look so great, but if he can check you out. So I think of a coin to him. Listen, just check you out. So no, Torah says he has to be good in both eyes. So that's where you learn from that word. Now that makes a lot of sense because what's the problem with missing one eye? You can see, you could see, but you can't play hockey. Do you know that? Professional, professional. Professional hockey, if you lose an eye, out. Why? Because what are you missing? What are you missing? Depth. Depth perception. I also think the risk that Oh, well, okay, but that's not the main thing. You can't be a pilot. Can't be a pilot with one eye. Yeah, I'm saying so. Here, you can drive because drive doesn't need depth perception. Yes, it does, but not at the same degree. They let you drive. To be a coin, you're looking at the blemish. You have to have depth perception. So that's why it's a problem. He could see it, but not completely in, in such detail as is necessary. So that way we include... When we talk about daylight, needing daylight. That's so, no, right. that's one drusha. Yeah. One rabbi says daylight. How are you going to... So what does he do with this pasuk that he learns daylight from somewhere else? He's going, well, from this pasuk, from a, I'm going to learn... How do I know it, that he can't do it if he's... So he says if he, from the day, from the eyes of the coin, I use it to learn that if he's missing an eye, he can't do it. Now, how did, what's, where's Rava going to learn that from? He uses that Pusik for something else. For Rava, Nami, but for Rava, according to Rava, Mi boi this verse is needed to exclude the blind guy. So, you need to exclude the blind guy. I can't learn two things from that. He says, In hachi, in achinami. He says, yeah, I include, I, I can see that. I, if that's the case, so how's he going to know day and not night? If you have to say that, Joshua, how's he going to learn day and not night? From a different pasuk, it says, when the, when the person says something like an affliction has appeared to me in the house. So what does that apply? When a guy says to the coin, something like an affliction applies in the house, lead to my eyes, but not by my light. It was apparent to me without the assistance of candlelight. To me, it appears. It means I was able to do it all by myself. That means it had to be in the daytime. The next Pasuk says the coin comes by, implying that, it, uh, that the examination too occurs during the daytime. To which Abayi says, I wouldn't learn from that. 
from there, I would have said Havamina. I would have thought Hanimili. When do we say this by Tuma the Lav Gufe? It applies only regard to Tuma. That's not of a person's body, but in the house of Tuma the Gufe, Afiloranami. Maybe I would say that person's body. I would say it should be example even by his light, meaning at night. That's Kamash Malan. The pasuk now says that on the day that his healthy flesh is observed. Even the bodily tzaras examined by day. And therefore, that pasuk can be learned for the other thing. So they were just using every one the other pasuk to learn the other thing. Day or, day or night? So we say it has to be the day. And not at night. They're just using different psukim to learn different drushos. Is a witness with one eye an acceptable witness? Why? Why would that make a difference? Why would that make a difference? Why would that make a difference? Maybe he doesn't see a problem. I don't know. Uh, no way. I, I, you can see a guy stab someone. I don't think you need deaf. A blind person couldn't. But uh, the guy saw him. It's, it's not a clear. You can see with better depth. So we accept the witness. And, and even Why a, not? And a deaf, and a deaf he, witness? He sees it. He yeah. sees a person takes a gun and shoots the yeah. guy, and the guy's yeah. dead. He warned him, don't kill him. He shoots him. So, yeah. Because it's not a question of, of a color. You see, a color is a very subtle. No, can we thing. investigate? We asked what what color shirt was he wearing? It, well, it was red. So what are you going to say? Deep red or dark red? That's probably not going to go. Okay. This you know, was if a guy is color blind, he couldn't be a witness. Of course no. You know, he could know a lot of other things besides the color a good of the shirt. Lawyer would trick him into yeah, saying there no lawyers in Jewish. We're not talking about lawyers. There's no such thing as lawyers in a Jewish court. That's one certain professions you don't want to have when Mashiach comes. One of them, I can imagine, all these lawyers are going to be unemployed, and all these uh, and all these uh, accountants are going to be unemployed. Why? Can be no taxes. Truman Meiser, no, no taxes. Wait a minute, I thought the king sent taxes around. No, but that you don't. But there's no such thing as filing income tax. You say everybody has to pay whatever, a hundred dollars per head. It's not that they do by you accumulate your wealth. There's going to be a lot of professions out. You know, they'll still need rabbis. You'll still need, you'll need farmers. So if you want to get ready for Mashiach, start learning to be a farmer. And if you're a koyin, uh, start working on the avoda. To know the halachas of the avoda. It was, but there was nobody who was. Steve wasn't here. He's the main zoomer. Oh, okay. He's the main zoomer. I guess I must have missed you. Okay, so that ends that topic. We now start a new mishnah of about other things about Chol Hamoed, because you see we've kind of meandered. This last mishnah talks about checking a mitzora and this and that. Was already talking more about things we do. In, or not do as far as they would take away from our enjoyment of the yantif. That's how we like move to the next. We're first talking about irrigation was the first Mishnah. Yeah. So is that like too much work? That's not in the spirit of Kolomite, too much work unless there's financial loss. Now we're talking about, okay, can we check someone if he's a Mitzorah? That has to do, well, not because of work. That's not a lot of work for a client to check. In terms of working, that's not work. You just take a look and finish takes a second. But the problem is it's going to hurt his enjoyment of the yantif. So now we're going to discuss another idea. If you can do the following acholamoid, to which you might think it might be a, a diminishment of his enjoyment of the yontif. And this was coming from Reb Meir, said the statement in the last Mishnah about checking out um, a Mitzorah. So now Reb Meir says another statement. Ve'od Reb Meir. 
And Rav Meir also says, in other words, it's a second lenient decision because Rav Meir's first decision was the coin checks only to be lenient and not to be strict. Right? That was a lenient position. So now Rav Meir is going to give us another lenient position. And what's that? Reinternment of a dead relative to a different place. Let's say, for example, the, 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 the relative was buried hastily for whatever reasons. There was a war. person died, couldn't go to the normal burial grounds. We have to just bury right now. And the war stops, things calm down. And now he really wants to reinter the family member to the household burial grounds. They used to have familial burial grounds. In those days, in those days, families had their burial grounds. Why not? You had it's a common even in these days. They they brought Begin's uh, body from Israel, from from uh, the states, and uh, reinterned it. And uh, really, yeah. Begin was not and, be- um, not Begin. Uh, not else. Begin. Uh, no. It'll come to you. I think they no, 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 no. Okay, whatever. Jabotinsky. They reinterned. They took him from the states, brought him back to Israel. Okay. All right. Fine. So they but do that, it. that's not unusual or simpler. You want to bury the person in Israel now. Yeah. So now the question is, can you reinter a body on Cholamoid? So now the question is going to be, well, what happens when you reinter a body? This, you know, this is. Would you call, would you kind of call this a happy occasion? No. You think it's not a happy occasion. Comes along Reb Meir, and Reb Meir says, Adam at somos aviv imo. A person may gather bones of his father and mother and reinter them on Cholamoid to the ancestral burial plot. Okay, let's say for whatever reason you couldn't bury them in the right time. So now you'd inter them temporarily, right? Until the flesh decayed. And then gather the bones and bury them. Or, the Mishnah means, if one's parent's grave was in danger of being looted or inundated with water, he can carry the bones and, and, and put it somewhere else. Now, Yushalmi says, it was once customary to bury the dead without coffins in deep pits, so the flesh would decompose rapidly. Once the corpse was reduced to bones, it would be disinterred, placed in a cedar coffin, and reinterred in a fitting plot. Okay, anyway, let's stick with the simple shot. You may reinter. So the question is, why can you reinter? That's a very sad thing. Answer is, because it's a source of joy for him. Because he's gratified to having his parents buried next to their ancestors, so that doesn't cause distress. The fellow is feels good. Okay, now Abba has come to his real resting. He's with his, his parents and his Bubi and Zadie. It's very comforting to know that he's buried over there. That's what Reb Meir says. Reb Yossi Omer, Reb Yossi says, Avel Hulo. It's a source for mourning for him, and therefore he may not do that on a festival. Because there is, the halacha is, if you reinter bones, the halacha is the person now sits that day shiva. Because it's like a burial. It's a reburial, like a but but not a week. It's just no, that day. That day. That day. If you, if you re, 
Well, so you can see both sides of the coin. But the lacha says more, so that's more. So, did he say Kaddish when he re-interred? No, I wouldn't. In I don't know. But, but, so again, remember the rule. Whenever it's a machlokas Reb Meir and somebody else, we don't paskin like Reb Meir. That's the, except for the one halacha. What's the one halacha we paskin like Reb Meir? A Jew who sins all his life is still considered a Jew. Still considered a Jew. Okay, uh, not no, we're not talking about it. About whatever, yeah. Yisrael Shechata, a Jew who sins, is still a Jew, and that's the only one where we hold it. Anyway, so that is one machlokes, and also now that we're talking about burial and stuff, then we go to a related ruling: Lo yaorer Adam almeso, a person may not inspire lamentations for his dead relative. Let's say you have to bury someone. Someone dies on Cholomoy. Of course you bury them. There's no question. They have to be buried. It's, even if it's sad, it doesn't matter. The person yeah. died, he has to be buried. Ah, what about a, a, a rousing you? You know, they used to hire people to oh, give eulogies. To, to inspire them to cry. He was this and that. So now the question, Cholomoy, we have to bury the person. So do we now hire or, or, or can a person be the eulogist to inspire this? So we don't do that. Now look at this. Look how far this goes, as Rashi says, to grieve Orel who died a month or two earlier. Because usually they would have eulogy. This, this is not the regular eulogy. This is like, like at a shloshim. Okay. Used to be, now they do it very rarely, that at a shloshim, you gather them together and we eulogize them properly and we cry for them. So let's say someone died a month before. So we don't have a special eulogy gathering so it's not the same eulogy as at a funeral, but it's meant to inspire and people should cry about it. So we don't do that on Cholomoy. That's obvious because you can pick any day. Why you have to pick Cholomoy to make people sad? Now, and also, for lo yaspidenu, normally you eulogize for a relative who just dies. Now look how far this goes. Forget about Cholomoy goes. Look how far this goes. Kodem l'rego shloshim yom. You can't do any of these things 30 days before a festival. Whoa, we're not talking only, for sh- and for sure not on Cholomoy. But even beforehand, Rashi explains this mission is in accordance with the Rav's opinion in the Gemara that the restriction is against hiring eulogists within 30 days of the festival. Shmuel argues, and his interpretation will be presented lower later. So it's a machlokas exactly what this means. There is an opinion that says you can't do it, and also you can't even you. So the first one was there's two halachas. Halacha number one is don't make plan a eulogy for cholamoid. That's number one. Obviously, if you can't plan a eulogy for cholamoid, shouldn't give a eulogy on cholamoid if person dies. Isn't that obvious? Right? And that really is the halacha. It's one of these halachas that is very hard for a rabbi to keep. What does that mean? A person dies a halamoid, the way the funeral should be is very simple. You bury the body. That's Done. It's Nothing it's else. Oh say, say Kaddish, no, that's it. So what do you do? You don't, you don't say anything. Kaddish. It's not a time. Kaddish, yes. You do Kaddish, that's it. You don't do anything else. No, no funeral service. Period. That's the halacha. Ah, you don't see that. Well, how? So the rabbi always gets up, and the first five minutes, you know, it's 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 a we're not allowed to eulogize because it's a public holiday, and we can't. 
But we could say words of praise and this and that, and then it becomes a eulogy. So, and, and the reason he does it is because the people will be so upset with the rabbi, they'll take him to the board and get him fired. I was waiting 30 years. I stayed in the shul because I knew when my father will die, the rabbi will give a rousing eulogy. And why didn't he give a rousing eulogy? I said, well, you're not allowed to. I don't care if you're not allowed to. I paid 30 years membership. I wanted a eulogy. And if not, I'll get the rabbi fired. And probably they did get rabbis fired. Listen, you have to remember how things used to be. So then the rabbi has to find a way around it, right? So what does he do? He said, okay, we're not, he said, we're not allowed to eulogize. Okay, he's not allowed to eulogize. But at least say something good about him. But that's a eulogy. So that's, uh, it's a very hard halacha. That's halacha number one. Halacha number two is you shouldn't plan any eulogies 30 days before a holiday. We're not going to a person dying, but even that. So the question is going to be, well, we, that we don't keep. We get, if a person dies to a, a month before Yant, if we do eulogize them, so we're going to see this is only according to Rav's opinion. We'll see Shmuel, he under, explains the mission a different way than that. But that's important to know that sometimes the rabbis are put, you know, what do you do if you're a rabbi and they want to have a double ring ceremony, which is not allowed according to Allah. So I saw one rabbi, I had to be at a chuppah, I wasn't the Masada Kedusha, but I had to be a witness. So the rabbi did like this, he says, okay, first, first he has just a man giving the ring, like regular, and then he said, and they did the Sheva Brachas, broke the glass, and he says, now that the ceremony is over, the ceremony is over, it's finished. Now the bride would like to give a gift to her husband of a ring. So now it's not a double ring ceremony. And that's how they get out of that. So you see, rabbis have to be innovative. All right, excelente. We'll start the next Gemara next Monday in Mir Sashem.